Are we are we in the show? Is this the show? Yeah, I think let's get into the show now. I love the I love so. the code opens. I love them. I think they're so silly and stupid, and I love silly and stupid sometimes. <laughs> nah, silly and stupid is great. Um, I think last week I got you saying saying something quite daft. Um, <laughs> oh, but when we last spoke, Daniel, mm-hmm. um, you were just in the middle of product hunt on launching right. the telemetry deck. Uh, how did that go? What what did that look like afterwards? Oh, it was it was very different from what I expected. Uh, what I expected was. Um, Six to eight months ago, I already launched Telemetry Deck on Product Hunt as just like this tiny little thing that I was doing uh, uh, alone. So it must it must have been older than six to eight months, even maybe even a year. But anyway, it was it still yeah. had a different name back then, and it was just hey, I'm doing this thing basically, and I got uh, not as many signups as I wanted, but. I got uh, I got enough signups to to really get the thing started, and that was really really nice. And so I said to myself, "Okay, now I have a co-founder who's really good with media and marketing, and now I already I also have some more experience on getting the word out, and I also have the learning that so many people." Uh, because product hunt is live for 24 hours right so you launch that thing you launch your thing on product hunt on midnight us time and then yep and then it's on the site for exactly 24 hours so so many people would come come to me afterwards and uh, like 25 hours later and were like oh yeah i just saw it but uh, i i i upvoted it and i'm like yeah that's too late um oh no so i um I, I thought, okay, I'm going to write a blog post the day before. I'm going to post in all the snacks. Hey, I'm going to post something on Product Hunt tomorrow. Be ready. I'm going to tweet. Hey, I'm going to post something on Product Hunt tomorrow. Make yourself an account. Be ready. Please help me support. Yep. So help me and support me. And I thought that because I, I, I could then, and also like I planned, um, I'm using Buffer to schedule tweets sometimes. So I, I, I basically pre-wrote yep. tweets every three or four hours for the whole 24 hours, reminding people that, yeah, this is really important. And please, please, please come and vote and um, please support us. And what I also did was I wrote um, some nice copy and I, I took what I think were really, really nice screenshots and I prepared this YouTube video. And so I thought, hey, this is way better of a product hunt entry than than before so um so um i'm expecting that it it'll get more upvotes just because of the people who already know us but who upvote us based on just because they like us and then because it's so far so far up the list then more people will see us upvoted us even further and this this will get us like a lot of new signups and okay it's a good theory yeah so it turns out uh, I still made a few mistakes. So first, the first mistake that I did was um, that I posted this on a Thursday because once, like twenty five thousand years ago, I read that you should post on Product Hunt on a Thursday. It uh, I th- yeah that used to apply for releasing into the App Store as well. Yeah, I, I don't know how that started, but anyway. Um, it turns out that everyone 
is now launching to Product Hunt on a Thursday. So on a Thursday, <laughs> you have way more competition. Um, and there were a few, a few really nice and really good apps that really hit the nerve of the site and everything. And they were performing pretty well. So we had to compete against those instead of like maybe on a Monday, it would have just been like a slow day and we would have been, uh, we, we would have a, a way better position. And yep. the other thing that I, I learned pretty quickly was that um, I also sent a newsletter out telling people, hey, can you please go to our product and page? Here's the link and upvote us if you think we're cool. And yep. within like, I don't know, five minutes um, of that newsletter going out, a friend of mine, he he answers to that email and he's like, dude, you're not supposed to link to the product and product page that uh, devalues the, the votes somehow. You're supposed to link to uh, to the main page and then people are supposed to like, find the product on, on their own and then upvote yep. it. And that makes the, the upvotes worth more. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> I wish I had known this earlier, but now the <laughs> now it's out. I did rewrite uh, the t most of the tweets, um, but yeah, I think most of the damage was already done in that regard. So what happened was that we gathered uh, some sizable upvotes. I mean, not four digits, but I think we had like three, like 260, 300-ish upvotes, which was like, I mean, That's good. which was okay. I, I was I was hoping for a bit more. Um, yeah. But what also happened was that I invited everyone who liked the app um, to comment on our post. And we got like a huge amount of comments and they were all incredibly positive. Um, like I was That's blown cool. away. Like so many people we have like 50 60 comments and all of them are like three four paragraphs detailing what people love about telemetry deck and it was just such an avalanche cool. of love just uh, just pouring in it was amazing um so so yeah that was really really nice it was uh i <laughs> then the next thing i learned that apparently someone says you should create your product hunt account early um hang on yeah. oh yeah that's that, that was that was that was uh for the for person who who um who creates the the product apparently if you want to launch on product hunt don't create your product hunt account on the day or the day before you want to post your actual product your product hunt account has to be at least a week old or something um wow okay so yeah I guess that makes sense. Uh, so we got a lot of upvotes. We got a lot of, um, of amazing comments. And uh, at one point, we were um, number three or so on the on product hunt. But that didn't really last. We kind of dropped because there were there were other apps or services that were more interesting to the product hunt uh, audience, apparently. And I mean, they were like exactly hitting the spot, and there were a lot of them because I assume it was it was because it was a Thursday. It might have just been a typical day. I don't know. Um, yep. So we did get um, we did get a, a huge boost in in, in signups, um, but we did, we didn't get like three hundred new signups, which was kind of like um a star rating like if you had asked me before yeah. like what's like what's like the, the perfect outcome it would, would have been like 300 signups um but uh That's what fair. happened was that even the the whole week after that like like seven days every day we get like way more signups than usual 
And um, here's my second um, mistake. Like I make an analytics company. Um, and you know what I forgot? <laughs> I forgot to attribute the source of the signups. Like, because like when I link to telemetrydeck.com, I can add like a, a URL parameter that's like source equals, and then I can write whatever I want. And then it kind of gets tracked yes. all through the signup process. So at the end of the signup process, I know that, ah, oh, yeah, okay, this is from source equals, I don't know. And smart guy that I have. <laughs> I forgot that when <laughs> posting to Product Hunt, and then once you posted the thing, you can't change the URL. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, so um, we got a lot of new signups, and that's good. That was that was really nice. We get these amazing comments, and I think I gotta collect collect them and 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 store them somewhere, and maybe even put them on the homepage if people are okay with that, because they are so. I think that's good. a good idea. They are so good. Yeah, like, um, and they were they they were from some people who were just starting out with telemetry deck, and others that that say like things like, "Hey, I've been using the service for a few months, and it's really nice that you do this and this and this." And many yeah. of them also say like, "Oh, yeah, and the founders are so nice and responsive and transparent." And yeah, it's just really really nice to to read that. That's good. Um, the, I mean, that sounds like a mixed bag yeah. of, of results. It was kind of mixed. But... Yeah, I was, I was. Uh, I was a bit disappointed because I was expecting a bit more signups even. Um, but yep. the the then over the week, the signups kept coming in and that was really nice. So that, that helped us a lot. And also the, the, just the comments, the comments were really helpful and yeah, I'm, I'm okay with how it, how it went. Um, and I think I am going to, um, correct my expectations a little bit and for the next time like my plan right now is uh for different sub features of the of the product to to post them on product and every now and then so maybe in a month or two i can be officially launching the um, the android sdk which is kind of out in beta right now but uh there's a um there, yep. like, there, there's a few open tickets and the plan is just like once those are closed and a few a few more people are using it so i can more rely on that thing i can make a product and host post for that maybe or in a few more months after that the the javascript sdk and um that makes sense yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna like uh expect less from these it's so i'm more uh, like because like a few years ago like product Hunt was that thing you know and i think Yes, it was. I think maybe that time is just over. You know, maybe it's uh, just one of the one of the sources how you reach your audience, and it's not the the main source anymore. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I, th I think about the way you did this, mm -hmm. where you had the video, and I'm thinking, like you say, product hunts is potentially just one of several places mm -hmm. you can be. As long as you're making artifacts that are usable for marketing elsewhere. Then I think that's fine. Yeah, totally. I think I think it, it it depends on you know if you were to tailor it completely to product hunt and then feel like well okay, if you know I can't reuse that or I've got to edit mm. that, um, that could feel a bit uh, a bit disappointing if you didn't get the result that you wanted. But I think if you're creating artifacts that can be reused, then I think that's that's okay. 
you know, there's nothing to be lost by doing. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. Like so, for example, yeah, like the 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 YouTube video. There's like a very gener generic overview of what telemetry deck is about. So I'm, I'm I can I can push yep. that elsewhere. Same with like text uh, copy about um, the various features and so on. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna reuse those, and I am re reusing those. And same with um, the next launches. Basically, we're we're gonna we're gonna like write up new copy. We're gonna make maybe make a video or animation some graphics and and product hunter is going to see them but uh, we're going to send them to other outlets as well post them to youtube you know yeah um so yeah that's kind of nice oh. oh i oh i like uh, <laughs> i have an add-on to this because uh tracking um like i just thought of this because of that uh because I, I told you that yeah i forgot to track or to attribute the traffic from Product Hunt, which is like a dumb mistake on my part. Um, yeah, yeah. So I recently started sponsoring a podcast, which is, uh, um, it's called Shift F1. It's a Formula One podcast. <laughs> and awesome. it's totally not my target group, of course, but their sponsoring is kind of very cheap. And also they like they treat their sponsors kind of like um like title sponsors for an f for formula one team so they kind of they read them off and um you feel like super important even though just your name gets said <laughs> so um for the first sponsoring i had them just read the url because you just get one word right so i, had, I put in my url telemetrydeck.com yeah. and uh i think the traffic is the traffic is starting again but again i can't really attribute them because i can't really make them read telemetrydeck.com question mark source equals abc or whatever no <laughs> so no you need you need it to be telemetrydeck.com slash f1 so yeah that like was that. my first idea but then i was like hey how can i make this more fun because like this is i don't really expect much much return from this i just really love this podcast uh and i was sponsoring yeah. them via patreon anyway because I wanted to have the Patreon-only episodes. And so <laughs> instead, I reg registered uh, telemetryduck.com. <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put like a, a, a special landing page on, that, on there that will re redirect to an attributed, attributed link. And um, yep. I'm going to ask them to read telemetryduck.com because that's more fun anyway. Fantastic. Yeah, you heard oh, it here first. Fun. <laughs> no, I really gotta gotta make that landing page because I have nothing nothing on there. Uh, ordinarily, I would say we'd link that in the show notes, but I think that would run counter <laughs> to what you're trying to do. <laughs> oh no! Please don't go to my funny landing page and sign up for my service. That would be horrible. <laughs> true that. True that. Anyway, that's my experience with Product Hunt. Um, I'd be interested. Have you ever launched something on on PH, or is that just um, is it a thing still for you? No, no. So back when I first launched GoVJ, uh -huh. that was 2015. Product Hunt was absolutely a mm -hmm. thing, uh, but I was afraid of right. it. Um, it looked far too Silicon mm -hmm. Valley for me, and. I didn't feel like my little video mixing app belonged there. Oh, I get that. So, yeah, yeah, I didn't go there. Um, these days, I probably would. You know, I'd produce something to to that specification, reuse the marketing materials, 
essentially treat it like another part of the the press kit. Yeah, I mean, um, I, think I mean, just, if you don't want to don't want to put that much effort in it, I mean, just some nice screenshots that you're producing anyway, and some nice descriptive text that you're gonna put into the app store anyway, goes a long way. Like, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really cost anything extra. So yeah, just do it. No. Yeah, yeah. So I totally will, um, because as we've talked about before, I'm, I'm getting Go VJ two finally ready for release, um, and part of that we talked about before. But um, I've been running that through test flight and getting a load of good feedback, and yeah, I think I, I could be. Bear in mind, I'm putting myself on the record here, but I could be fairly close to having it done. Um, I reckon it's still going to be probably June before I actually release the app, just judging from how my free time is really working at the moment. But uh, it feels close. I feel like I've done, like, you know, the first 90%. So now it's just the second 90%? Um, Exactly, yeah. Um, but some of the feedback I had was interesting in a sense of, uh, a friend of mine said, well, what do you think you're going to do next? And I said, well, I'm going to add a load more effects. I'm going to do this. And he's like, no, don't, don't do that. What? He's like, well, you've got enough to use the app. They're good effects. Trim it back and then release them on the next update. Like add more later. Mm -hmm. Stop putting stuff in front of yourself before you can release the app. I was like, whoa, okay. All right. But, you know, on reflection, he's oh, right. He's totally right. Like, um, I would yeah. advise you to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where my head's at. Um, I've got a bit of bit of time off from my day job this week, and I'll probably be putting in some time, potentially even today, actually, uh, sort of going through stuff and trying to hit as many small little niggles and things as I possibly mm-hmm. can. Uh, the bit I'm putting off, to be honest with you, is actually putting in the payment screen. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've got the code. I've got um, an in-app purchase manager that talks to Revenue Cat. Um, that's Revenue Cat is brilliant. You know, it just makes all of that oh, yeah. like a, a no-brainer for me. I've heard really um, good things. Like, I haven't actually used them in production, but yeah, um, I think yeah. I just like also that the their ceo is on twitter and like he posts some nice things and yeah 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 they're 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 accessible and they yeah they communicate well the sdk is nice to Mm. work with um i had a a previous system before using revenue cat where i was really bad but i was validating the receipts locally uh because I, I wasn't running a server at that point. And um, Revenue Cat, I was able to drop in in about an hour. Essentially just gutted a load of my old code out, swapped in where it returns the thumb up, thumb down. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, and it worked really, really well. Very nice. So the bit, I'm, the, the bit that's making me pause is I've got to do subscriptions over there and I've not done mm. subscriptions before in one of my own apps. So that's that's going to be fun. Um, well. But that's, it's, it's worth doing. You know, I, I've looked at this and I think that um, the app could 
be run on a subscription model. And provided that I offer people the opportunity to buy it outright still with a single in-app purchase, then I feel okay about having a subscription model as well. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, like apps these days, you have to be like every app that is like out there, you kind of have to work on it. You have to maintain it continually. Otherwise, it will just deteriorate. It will be incompatible with new uh, versions, with new features. Um, and then, I mean, like someone has to pay for that. Like if um, I, I know that no one really loves paying a subscription for a software, but like sometimes it's just um, the thing you have to do to keep the software you love alive. Yeah. I mean, the bare minimum, I think, for me would be you know, an annual subscription mm -hmm. that was at the same amount as the existing in-app purchase. Mm -hmm. That would feel about right to me. It's like, how much of my time does that actually buy you? Right. And it's like, yep, a year's worth of this app. To keep coming back every year just because you spent $5 on it five years ago and expecting to still have the complete app is is not not really a workable deal for small niche apps to support themselves. Yeah. And especially like, I mean, what yeah. is like five bucks, five divided by three sixty five. That is like 0. Yep. 0.01. There's like a cent, a literal cent per, uh, per day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I've, I'm putting the price up, even if it doesn't look like I'm putting the price up, you know, subscriptions is probably the way forwards for me for mm -hmm. that. Um, And then we'll see. We'll see. I expect a bit of backlash from people that don't like subscriptions. I have backlash against in-app purchases. Uh, but that is what I feel I need to do. Yeah, totally and get that. Yeah, yeah. I certainly don't want to kill the app just because I can't really justify the time on it. That that feels, that would feel a bit sad. It would, yeah. Especially um, since it's such a, it's such a yeah. fun app. And I mean, Thank it's very you. niche, yeah. but it's uh, it's well done, and it's like exactly for the people who 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 use that sort, that sort of thing. It seems like the word from what I hear that it exactly gives them what they need. Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. And then the next like, range of features that I want to add to the app will kind of justify that that subscription model a bit better as well. Awesome. So, and if you do that in an yeah, every like up, uh, put a push on like one of those updates every few months, then you can like talk about it and so share screenshots or videos or whatever. Yeah, and get some nice little yep. bump. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, hopefully, you know when uh, I've got this version two finally out the door, then I can start locking into that kind of cycle because um, that'll be. That would be nice. That's been the yeah, goal. But see, to, of to completely start to start the cycle, it. you have to release something. I mean, you don't really have to. You can also post like work, works in progress <laughs> and whatever. But you know what I mean. So yeah, it's got to leave my computer at so some that point. That should motivate you to um, to cut down your MVP as small as possible. Get something out, yeah, and then you see how people are using it and what kinds of people are using it and. You know, and that will already yep. give you like this huge motivational push to just continue because um, then suddenly it's like, oh wow, people are actually using this. I really need to. I really yeah. need to work on work on it some more. And it, like, it feels way more like urgent is the wrong word because that's not so negative. But it's like, oh wow, now I can actually give value to people, and it feels so rewarding and satisfying. 
yeah yeah that's definitely what i want on what i want to cultivate with my with this app and any other app that i've got out there um this covid suffered a lot while i've been in the midst of moving countries mm. and this that and the other it's kind of nice to sort of feel like yeah i'm nearly there with getting the the big update that i've talked about for years sort of finally out the door nice um it's going to be good uh but i'll tell you one mm. thing it's kind of funny the corners that you cut when you're trying to just mvp it out the door for your own project and if i think about how i'm behaving there versus how i behave in my day job <laughs> that's quite different <laughs> um, yeah. and one of the, the the biggest differences is is actually um testing mm-hmm. and and I, t- I i come to this subject because i know that you wanted to talk to me I about did, testing yeah. so i said earlier before we started recording hey can we talk about testing today yeah yeah so this is a nice nice it segue is, yeah. into it but for go vj i have no unit mm-hmm. tests and I have no UI tests yet. Um, and I say yet because for a solo indie project, I will use UI tests for creating the screenshots. Oh, you mean like creating and exporting the screenshots? Yeah, yeah. So automating all the different screenshots. I do that too. Like I don't think do it for a telemetry deck right now. Yep. But I actually wrote a blog post about it um, a few years ago how to do that without using Fastlane. Because Fastlane is amazing and awesome. Yes. But uh, for that for the project that I was using it for, uh, I didn't use Fastlane and I didn't want to start messing about with Ruby just to get that functionality. So I kind of like, um, found fair. out how to do everything that I need without Fastlane, just with, like, with like, uh, XCUI tests. Awesome. Oh, so I'm going to need to revisit that because... The last time I did it, I did use Fastlane and I used Snapshot. And this time around, again, I don't have it in this project. So if I don't need Fastlane for everything else, then I don't want to install it just for screenshots. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, just making a note. I'm going to add it at the, my blog post to the to the. Um um show notes uh it's it's a few uh, years old yeah. and um but it, it gets found on google every now and then and then someone asks me on twitter like hey there's this part where you say configuration equals abc and this um like there's no <laughs> configuration object in my code i'm like yeah this is kind of like how i structure my code i always always have a configuration object but it shouldn't have bled into that example code that i posted um so if you go to that blog oh, post cool. be warned ignore everything about configuration oh. that's just my thing um i'll be able to imagine it i'm sure <laughs> yeah i just like basically have, a, have a, I read a struct or an object or something in my code usually yep. that just has properties for the different settings and it will take care of like saving that to user defaults um that's cool so yeah so yeah i'm gonna share that with you um but question about um unit test though or like ui test even like with an app like go vj would you actually test yeah or how would you actually test the um, the mixing and stuff like that because those are I, I imagine those would be shaders and are those even testable yeah so i've thought about this um and essentially i would unit test the linking between different parts of the screen so the view models that i've got behind those views mm-hmm. 
I would unit test that they link correctly to the engine and send signals back and forth and respond to changes in state in the engine correctly. And that would give me some guarantee that when the engine puts itself, you know, at a opacity value 0.5, that the view model reflects that for the opacity slider okay, that yeah. is on the screen and puts it at halfway point. I can that the, that is quite often how I'm using unit tests at work as well as is checking the linkage between view models and various services. Oh, and, and that, that is actually that, my greatest gripe with UI testing. Like. I'm not talking about unit testing. Unit testing is uh, amazing and helpful and a very good mm -hmm. idea in 99.9% .9 of all the cases. But UI testing, the problem that I always run into with UI testing is that um, I, I'm very... I use a process that is very like sketching, like when laying out my UI, like when I start working or coding on my UI, I don't know how it will look like at the end. And usually yes. I will get it to a point where it looks pretty nice, but um, by that point I will have worked on that thing and I'm like pretty sure that it works because I have like played around with it all the time. So then, so then I'm thinking like, okay, okay. Now, now I could probably write some UI tests and make sure that this this behavior that I've just like uh, developed like step by step, um, that that this is like reflected in the tests, and then there's a test that will uh, check if the if the behavior is like that. But then um, a week later or so, I will be like, huh. I need to change this behavior actually because it turns out that I have an even better idea how the UI should work and, and behave like. Not even look, but behave. And then I just yep. have to throw away all these tests because they're completely useless because they're <laughs> encapsulating behavior that I don't actually want anymore. And have okay. you, do you have anything to, to help me there or to change my mind, you know? Yes. Yes, I cool. do. So, yeah, I hear you. And as a guess in that situation, it's not just that you have to um, remove a load of tests, but perhaps due to the way you've written those tests, changing a specific area in the app means that you have to rewrite far more tests than just the area you've changed. Yeah, possibly. Okay. All right. Just a bit of a gut feel because yeah. i know the entropy that can yeah. get involved with ui tests and that's that's part of it it's like okay i changed this one aspect of the login screen and now every test after that has to have that added to it uh so what i've done in my day job and this is actually the model i will use for go vj for for setting up the screenshot tests is i use a an approach that I call the screen object approach. And essentially what I do is I create a, a struct that represents the screen. And by screen, I mean like the whole uh, view that is on the screen. Um, so essentially like what you would see for a, for a view controller, um, just to get that, that clear. Um, but the screen object, uh, it has uh, elements inside of it that represent the XEUI elements that are on the screen. You know, when you make a UI test, you've got 
these UI elements that you interact with to, to make the test. And so if you've got a button, you know, you might, I, I'm trying to remember the exact syntax, but you will call for a button that's, that matches that, that name right. and you start talking about the specific text in the button. Right. Um, or you tag things back in the, the code with identifiers and you use mm. those. But, oh, I have an additional question. That object that you're creating or that struct, that, is that part of the test? Or is that part of the, um, the view it, that you're creating? It gets it gets used in mm -hmm. the test. So it sits test side in the app project. It's not compiled into the app, but it is compiled into the test target. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that every every major screen gets a counterpart screen object. And that counterpart screen object has a uh, it has a, a thing for everything on the screen <laughs> that you want to test. Okay. So to run through that clearly is if I want to press a button, I will have a property inside of the screen object that represents that button and actually has the um, a reference. It's essentially a XE element. Um, that references the button. This builds up. So every screen has these properties that represent the elements um, in, in, in NXE UI elements. And any interaction that you might have with the screen, like pressing a button, is also turned, that's turned into a function inside of the screen object. You might be wondering, what's the point? What's he up to here? Mm -hmm. Um where this all comes together is if I want to test um, my login, for example, is a good place to start. Any app that's got a login is sort of you know blocked from the rest of its UI until you're logged in. Um, but I might start by adding my tests to to log me in. You know, I, I will tell it that I want to do a successful successful login. Mm -hmm. And in the in the test, I will um, send appropriate values to the screen object I've just built. So the, the text field that is on the screen that represents the username will have a property, and I will enter text into that. Uh, the same for the password and so on. Right. And then I will press the button, but I won't tap the button in the test. I will send a, a call to the press login button function in the screen object. Now, where that gets me to is that gets me to a point where if anything changes in that screen, I change the screen object, but I don't necessarily have to change all of my tests. So if you think about the function that presses the button, you know, if all of a sudden that becomes a, for argument's sake, a navbar button instead of a, a button in the middle of the screen or whatever, or we change it to, to just an icon or whatever... I change that one thing in the screen object and then every test that talks to the function doesn't have to change. So yeah. that get, that uh -huh. gets rid of some of this rewrite in some circumstances. Not every circumstance, but in some yeah, that, circumstances. That is actually a very good strategy. I mean, if I was precocious, I could say like, oh, yeah. but do you unit test those functions? Um, but uh, I'm not actually uh, serious. But, uh, no. Um, they don't need to. For a start, they're, they're supporting the they're supporting the tests. Um, so then they're not um, 
they're not what okay, we're trying but to But serious question though. Uh, so you have your mm -hmm. login and login view and you have this screen object that represents your login view. And let's say you have like username, yep. password and login button. And now, now I want to change yep. that to say like, okay, but first just ask for the username. Then the user has to press the button and then a new screen comes on that also asks for the password. Um, yep. Do I then have to rewrite so, the, the screen object? Uh, you'd split it. Uh -huh. You'd have a, you'd, you'd split it for the new screen. And then back in the test, you would have to write some extra code. You'd have to add the code for the login, the username screen object, mm -hmm. effectively. Um, and they would press that button, and then you would have your code to check that you're on the the next screen object. Mm -hmm. And you could then tr enter the, the password and press the button after that. But that's the only change you'd really need to make. Okay, fair. So this is the, this is the other oh. side of it, is that once every screen has its screen object, you can compose them together effectively. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I do is that most screen objects have a function that validates that their content exists. Okay, and what that what that does is it validates that they that you're on that screen. And what I'll do is I, I can say, okay, for example, argument's sake, you've got a logout button um, at the bottom of an account screen, and I might test that logout button by saying, not only um, do I want to make sure that I can tap the logout button, mm -hmm. but I will also then validate that I've reached the initial screen by checking its screen object and checking its content exists afterwards. Um, so you can chain them together in your tests in that way. You know, I would have had an account screen object and whatever I needed to get to the account screen ahead of that in the test, and then press the button and validate that I am now at the first screen by hitting up the first screen screen object and telling it to run its validate content function okay and um so okay so i like the strategy it it feels it feels very feels like a way to write a little bit more code at test time but then be able to very quickly uh update the test to reflect new realities when the time comes uh and you can reuse uh -huh. them as well so if you have flows that reuse specific areas you reuse the screen objects right. everywhere yeah that doesn't that does make yeah. sense um, follow-up question I um, as someone who is still a UI testing skeptic um, so so imagine I've done all this and now I have UI tests how many how many bugs are you usually catching with that kind of UI testing uh, so yeah that kind of UI testing is usually um, guarding against uh, like Regression. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally get that. More than that than anything else. I totally get that. But like, how, yeah. like, how much do you really catch? Because if I'm really, like, really self-conscious, over the last year, I think I've created two or three bugs in the telemetry de desktop app that very much would have caught by by UI testing. So yeah, I. I'm mm -hmm. I'm looking at myself. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. I do that. I think I'm infallible, but I'm very much not. Yeah, how how often do you how often do you test your app? How often do you test your app, the the Mac app? 
with the window really, really small, yeah, really, really big, yeah. in full screen mode, uh, in tiled mode, or any of those other sort oh. of situations? Or do you just tend to run it the same all the time? Uh, uh, the same kind of. Yeah. So one of the great benefits of UI tests is that ability to check different configurations, different different types of state. Uh, mm-hmm. So... As, as a for instance, in my day job, one of the things it's helped us catch has been uh, where we've had an app that was specifically designed to be run on a, um, it was specifically designed for the iPhone 12 mini. Um, super specific, right? But th- this is a case of it's being deployed to a business to use day to day, and they bought a fleet of these these phones. Oh, yeah, I totally get now, that. Yeah. So this 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 app is now going to expand to another part of the business, and they may be using a completely different size of iPhone, and we were able to to validate that nothing falls apart by running all of the the test suite against that size. So that was a very specific instance where that helped us. But you can see you don't have every type of phone, you don't have every type of iPad, mm. and more to the point, you don't have the time. Once your app gets above, you know, a few screens, to test every combination or, of or all the of that. Patients. Yeah, yeah. So what what happens is, I, I what I feel happens is, is that, you know, yes, it's a lot of overhead, and you've got to be really committed to what it is you're trying to trying to do there. But if you don't have a dedicated QA resource to do all of this testing for you. Mm-hmm then this is the way of slicing off some of your development time uh, to assure that the connections between the different screens in your app work correctly, you know, as expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with that, you've effectively bottled yourself testing those things. And it's like, you know, it's like creating a Docker instance, right? I've got that copy of that setup now. I can now deploy that at scale in multiple ways to go and use forevermore. Okay, that does sound that's, that does so sound very me, smart. Yeah, but there is a question as to whether you need it or not, and I would say potentially at your stage, at where things are right now, the need is debatable. Right, there's a lot of it turning into yak shaving, <laughs> for want of a better phrase. Right? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like I have right now. I um I am taking, or I I, I am taking the risk that I uh, will ship some bugs every now and then, um and yeah. I I'm just eating that risk basically. I'm like okay yes, and people will write to me and be like hey dude, there's a bug in your in your desktop app, there's a bug in the web app, there's a bug in the iPhone app, yeah, and um, I'll I'll just be like okay, oops, good good catch, thank you very much, and because right now I have so much. I, I like I'm I'm spending uh I want to spend uh, as much as much time as possible just working on the features because there are features that we need to hit because some customers just need them and without them like they, they can't really use us but yeah, yeah at some point it will I will need to slow down because there's these these charts that like show like software development productivity and whatever and once your software gets above a certain threshold of complexity and 
you don't have tests, then suddenly like you your your velocity just goes way way down, and like everyone who works on the on the code base just like takes, takes, just keeps out keeps putting out fires and yeah. not really getting anything done and so the um, the idea is to <laughs> to find the to find the sweet spot on there where it's not too late to add tests but not do it too early either yeah that, that that's you know only you can really decide that I, I think what i would do in your your situation is exactly what you're proposing to be honest which is to to wait mm -hmm a little bit until you sort of feel like you're kind of locking things in. Um, and the other thing I would think about there is like, well, okay, maybe you don't need to test the login screen, right? But maybe you've got this dynamic area of the app that shifts. I'm used, I'm focusing on this because I can see the ability for it to impact you, but you might have a dynamic area of the app which changes a lot mm -hmm. depending on how big the window is. As a for instance... Um, or there might be a specific thing that is so dynamic in the way it lays out that it has the ability potential potentially to overflow in some weird way, and you want to make sure that other buttons are still accessible mm -hmm. when this thing becomes big or stretches down or mm -hmm. whatever it does. I'd zero in on those things, and I would automate the logging in process like i probably send a, a command line option from the ui test use a, a helper object to make that easy yeah, you're saying I about sending a that. configuration yeah yeah and i would you know put the app straight into being logged in set it up with the data that you need to test these things mm -hmm. and then boom just go and test those bits of the ui that are particularly tricky to, to test you know particularly time consuming and most likely to have weirdo edge cases that does make sense how do you feel about the, yeah. the, the the strategy of um basically where whenever a bug happens then write a test that makes sure the bug doesn't exist like that um that's what i usually do with unit tests like um i mean i have like various yep. cases where i'm like i want to develop this with unit tests because this is the easiest way to get where i need to be um but in other other parts i basically develop it and then if i find a bug then i write a unit test that that makes sure that the bug is there and then fix the bug and then the unit test confirms that yes the bug is gone um do you think such a strategy yeah. is also good for ui tests like one example is that's a real world example um at one point i lost the connection between the editor and the inside that's what that was being edited somehow um and i yeah. i actually shipped that and <laughs> i felt like okay this is probably the i should probably make a ui test for this so that this doesn't happen again yeah um i think that's a reasonable approach like if that's that's 100 that is better than doing nothing right <laughs> you know you accept and and if if this is something that you feel required a lot of overhead to get yourself mentally in the concept context to fix it then i would suggest making a test while you're still in that context yeah. right because it's just taking you two hours and a load of debugging and this that and the other or whatever you know to get all the way down in the level and figure out what the hell was going wrong just there 
do you really think that you in six months' time is going to take five minutes to go there and fix it again or not? Mm. Chances are spending another hour or whatever to kind of try and add something test-wise before you're out of that area is going to pay you back the next time you have to edit that piece of code. So yes, if you found something like that and it's caused you a particular amount of pain and effort to get in the context to fix it, add add some tests mm-hmm. while you're still in that mode. Uh, because two things will happen. One thing that will happen is, is that, it, like I said, it will guard for future you and, and actually speeding up the... Uh, the ability to get back into that context to some degree yeah so that's the first thing that will happen is the test explains what it looks like when it's working and gives you a smoke signal if it's broke and you've just spent all that time to figure this stuff out um the other thing that it offers you specifically with unit you specifically <laughs> with unit tests tripping over myself here but specifically with unit tests it offers you the opportunity to logically think through your code and potentially refactor it as well yeah. and it gives so you like an you'll tend to find when you add, use the api yeah yeah and, and 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 you'll tend to find the act of doing the unit test will cause you to make your test more codable uh, testable rather i'm really tripping mm. over my words today <laughs> but it'll cause you to make your your code more testable and quite often that will force you to think about a refactor that makes it a bit better to read as well yeah totally like if you can combine those things together so yeah uh, but but you see what i'm saying here is that it's about your effort and it's about where you want to spend your time and it's about recognizing the the penalty that that issue has just given you in terms of the amount of time to go and fix it right and so adding a test at that point it's a bit like uh car analogy Uh, yeah but you take your car to the garage they have to fix i don't know something inside the engine right and there it's just cost you like two three hours in terms of labor costs for them to just open the engine up Um, and they fix the issue and then they call you up and they say hey we're also going to replace all the filters in this area and we're going to replace the um i don't know what you know they're going to replace the the yeah the plugs on this or the valves on this 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 bit here you know they're not really at end of life yet but we're going to do it while we're here because of the upfront cost of opening up the car right this is like while we're down here we may as well fix this for you and adding tests when you're all the way down the hole after fixing an issue like that is like that it's like uh preventative maintenance in a sense so yeah fully agree with what you were saying about yeah, that, that, doing that, that it when you've had a bug totally and you fixed it and adding sense. it there um can you yeah. give me like one more tool in my belt because i have this this voice in my head that says uh this ui test will check if the window closes if i hit the close button but then the close button is mm-hmm. just like one line of code that says this dot close or whatever. Um, so I have this voice mm-hmm. in my head that says, ah, oh, do I really need to test this? I mean, this one line of code, like how bad could it break? Um, mm-hmm. 
can you give me like a good reason why I should test this? Or maybe I should, in fact, not test this. Or maybe it's because of the, you know, the flow from screen to screen. It's not about this this individual button. It's more like, yep. yeah, but um, I do like four, four actions and closing that window is part of the action. Oof. Okay. Good <laughs> does question. that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. At your stage, um, and I'm sitting on the fence a bit uh-huh. here, Daniel, I'm sorry, but at your oh, stage geez. right now with where things are at, I would say low value, mm-hmm. right? Low low real value. Uh, there's a point later on, if you've got a team, if the product has become so much bigger, where... I would make the argument that this is like weeding a garden mm-hmm. and every time you leave that weed in the corner, the rest of the garden becomes infected by it, right? <laughs> so, so there's there's a point where it's a case of, yes, it's only one line of code and of course, you know, if that didn't work, I'd have people screaming at me, so why should I bother testing it? I use this every day, it's just here. But then there's another point that says you've got a hole there and you've got the potential to let something through and even though that one might not be a problem the fact that you're building up this practice where you're letting yourself off all the time means that eventually something's going to slip through uh so if the the standard is that every major interaction has a test against it every every um use case of that screen for example you know when i press the button it dismisses Mm -hmm. Or whatever um every single thing like that that a user can do if there's not a corresponding test of some sort then sooner or later you're going to get a regression in there that you didn't expect mm-hmm. and so it, it's it's actually more like um locking your car when you walk away from it wherever you are rather than just when you're in the city right because you want to build the practice you want to build the habit i never leave my car on lot therefore it's never going to be a problem it's that kind of logic um but there is this penalty of effort right and i can say this because i've got a relatively bigger mm-hmm. team in my day job right we can spend you know in a sprint we might spend for example on on a, a feature say it's been two or three days to develop this specific thing we can totally justify spending yet another day after that to add the unit test and add the UI tests and then call it done because we're, we're operating at a level where that that's paid for. But it gives you, you it gives you more quality, but it costs a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and the, the point for us though, is that we've got a lot of, a lot of um, juniors within the team. We have people moving from project to project, depending on what's going Mm -hmm. on. And by doing this, it essentially signs and seals it as being done. And then the next time somebody comes to work on it, the tests are giving that assurance as to how it's supposed to work because potentially the person who's wrote it is not available to talk about right. it. You know, or, or, or so it's, it's a, a thing we can do to assure quality, but it's also a thing we can do to communicate between uh, people across time and space asynchronously if you like <laughs> which goes back to my to my idea of like unit tests should also be like an example of how to use an yes. api yes yes and 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 ui tests are an example of what's expected 
for a given flow or a given interaction. And like I say, the where they become really valuable to me is the fact that I can test them across mm-hmm. a number of different scenarios and get that kind of um, right. parallel effort, if you like, of, of just automating it and having a machine do it for me. Um, we've not really gone there yet, but if we were supporting dynamic text fully throughout the apps that we've got, um, mm. then we would also add a, a test route that would test, you know, with everything turned up, for example, and that sort of right. thing. And, 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 and that's, again, something that I don't want somebody sitting there manually to do. I don't want somebody putting a phone in a you know, gigantic text mode. Yeah. Um, but if I've got my test suite, I can set up whatever I need to set up to configure that and then just have it run and it's just time on a machine to go and do it for me before we go and push to the app store. Um, yeah, so that's... Yeah, that is kind of yeah. nice. Um, so I don't, I don't think I've changed your mind, Daniel. I think I've validated you a little bit here. <laughs> you know, um, like maybe changing my mind is... Um... Is, is too strong of a phrase um it's more like you've you've given me more reasons to be diligent about it and to to yeah. push a little bit to push to push my to push me a little bit more over the fence towards towards ui testing and but also yep. but also I, I feel like yeah i can some i can sometimes leave them out if they are not um if if I deem them right now not uh, important, or if I'm willing to eat the risk of just having some UI bug yeah. bugs or some interaction bugs right now, um, but like it's been it's been really enlightening anyway. Um, I had one more thought, which is go on that oh, you know you know how like when sometimes you want to say something and then you immediately in that moment you forget what you were what you were going <laughs> to say that just that just happened to me because i was like ah oh, i had something about uh, anyway it'll come back to me what did you want to say yeah, yeah. um i was going to say so the biggie here though is like well when am i going to add tests to mm-hmm. my solo projects right like what what if i advocate for testing so strongly at work why am i not using them at home and the, the, it comes back to that uh, discussion we've been having about effort and about um, cost and that side of things. You know, if I'm talking about an app that is barely paying for itself in terms of the labor I put in already, why am I going to put all this extra labor in right. for quality assurance when it's not selling loads? Um But the point is, for me, is that I'm not locking out the possibility of doing this. Mm-hmm. So the internal architecture of the app that I've got is the same as I'm using in my day job, pretty much. It's the the router pattern that, that I came up with. Mm-hmm. And so for unit testing, specifically around the view models and around the services and managers that I've got, uh, there's not a lot that stops me from using the same test approach as and when I want to. Like I've not locked out that possibility right. in the architecture. You've not, you're of the not app. made it harder for yourself to add tests later. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if I do that, there will be a refactoring of of places to make it more testable. That's that's predictable because I've not taken that extra step as I've developed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the other side of it is that the screen object approach I've described to you, once you get going with it, um, is a bit like compound interest. Mm-hmm. 
So you you add your first few screen objects for the entry point of the app. You add some helpers to navigate you through those and get you logged in or do whatever needs to happen. And then that composability I talked about, Mm -hmm. that sort of takes on its own thing um, after a point. It means that the UI tests that I have in my day job, they become maybe three, five lines of code Mm -hmm. each. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And and, and so when I want to add this to my own project, I know that I've got to spend some upfront effort in doing screen Mm -hmm. objects if I want to do the same approach. But that's not that bad. And what I'll probably do is write a couple of these things out and lay them out in this way just so I can do the screenshots. Mm-hmm. Right. And that'll be the first thing I do to hell with like, you know, testing for regressions and that side of stuff. Right. I just want to make my life easier when I screenshot the damn app. Oh yeah, that is really <laughs> helpful. Like the the basically the secret is that uh, XCUI test the framework uh, also supports like these these pixel comparison UI tests where you like have, um, have yes. an image and then another image and then uh, or and then it takes a screenshot and compares that and you can use that screenshot function you can mark the images the images that it takes as keep them and yep. basically it will then save them as PNGs into a photo structure and the only thing you need to do is extract them from there. That's fine. Mm, That's going to be fun. And um, there's a tool for that because somehow it will rename the, like during, while the test is running, you can actually see the the raw PNGs in that folder and then it will Mm -hmm. zip them up somehow. Um, But there's a tool, like a command line tool to extract the screenshots back out and then you have screenshots without fast. That's great. That's basically how it works. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I I thought about um or like it came back to me what I was going to say which is that another thing that like I think tests really help with is if you have external dependencies like if you have various libraries yes um that's a thing that is very important to me if I have various libraries uh, like API level libraries I will make sure that the area surrounding those is very well unit tested because then yes. I can update the dependency and then run my unit tests and then can see like, okay, it seems to still work. I I can more or less confidently update that. And I yep. think especially if you have various UI, li- UI libraries, then it makes even more sense to UI test your app because then you can reason- reasonably be sure that the update to the UI library didn't break your app or something because it's always like a little bit risky if you if you invite other people's code into your project i mean it's oftentimes necessary and open source is a wonderful thing but you know sometimes sometimes the code is the the code that you get externally has bugs or even if it's a node module (laughs) it even has a malicious intent think think yeah that's a good example i mean think about it this way for the apps that i've got in my day job where we've got this full UI testing suite, mm-hmm. if I've used, like you say, a, a component from a Swift package somewhere, say for a bottom sheet, right? because we were supporting, you know, an older version of iOS or something is there like that. Um, yeah, that, that might not work as expected either on OS updates or on updates to the package. Mm-hmm. But then I can update any one of those things, run the test suite again, and have assurance that everything is still as I left it to some degree. Right. Um, I mean, like, 
if you're testing that buttons work or testing that 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 text is there it doesn't necessarily tell you that it's not at the wrong place in the screen or whatever but you know in the vast majority of cases when something breaks it it tends to to become inoperable right yeah. that's that's part of the that that's 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 the real fear um so yeah by having this test harness this test suite as it were i can assure myself that i can update these things and that things are basically working as planned um it doesn't there will always be an edge case you know it was visible on screen but actually when you look at it it's not pixel perfect and it's it's adjusted the wrong way or something like that yeah but you know, if, the padding if is stuff definitely still here, but... works i mean that's like already a big improvement yes um, yes i exactly. think I, i'd be even more um um i i think i would even if i if i start in, integrating ui tests i would even be more hesitant to integrate like these pixel perfect screenshot comparison ui tests that make sure that the mm -hmm. design looks exactly exactly as planned because yeah I do actually um, tinker with the design all the time of my apps where I like, I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'll be using it and I'll, I'll be like, oh, okay, this looks nice. But if I move this over here, it might even look nicer. So uh, yeah, it'll be a long time before, <laughs> before I started, start using, using those kinds of tests, I think. But even then, even at that point, right. Okay. So you're, you're editing the UI, you're kind of sketching with stuff. And, and these things would then be falling over all the time. Uh, with probably, the right setup, it wouldn't even be that bad, probably, because you can just say, like, okay, yeah. the, the, I, I've, I've now visually looked at the current status quo. I've seen that it is good, so now I'm just pressing the button that says this is now the status quo. Uh, as long yes. as it looks like this, the tests are passing. I, I guess. I guess. I guess things are actually yeah. not that and, bad. And I suspect it might help you in a sense of you don't always know when you've you've edited this one thing if it's had any impacts on any other areas around it mm -hmm. then those sort of tests might help you sort of guard against those kind of visual regressions it is 3 a.m uh, do you know where your ui label is <laughs> yes <laughs> okay yeah i get that okay so um testing not actually that horrible no that's the resource the new, the new resource problem. time yeah um if you've got the resource great if you've got the time you know brilliant mm -hmm. um if you don't be incredibly picky about when and where i think that's probably my advice yeah awesome i like that thank you uh, um i i enjoyed it a lot because i know that you're passionate about the topic and i know mm -hmm. that you have a lot of knowledge about the topic and so if i can come here with my half knowledge and have you educate me that's like just very pleasant so oh, thank you well, thank you dude um <laughs> for me it's it's good to challenge my my thinking a little bit as well it's like it's really easy for me to say you know day job mode oh it, it's not done until it's got some tests right Yeah, and I get that, but you 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 also keep in mind the different perspective, like the indie solo developer or like the mm -hmm. someone like me who's like trying to start up a startup, and it's like, oh yeah, but I have like so much so much to do, so little time. 
And if, as soon as you're, um, I was about to say as soon as you're employing somebody else, but I know you have been employing somebody else. Um, yeah, but she she's, but like, she's a, like 20 hours a month right now. Yeah. Because I can't pay her yeah. more. But yeah, now, I'm really hoping to pay her more soon. If that person becomes full-time, uh, then I would argue that you need to have some level of base testing requirement. Yeah, and that, that sounds like a good. Um, that sounds like a good um, good base level. And I also work with. Yeah, um, I also work with a buddy of mine called uh, who's, who's um, Florian, who helps me with yeah. uh, web development. And like he's yep. preaching about uh, testing all the time, Florian. If you if you hear this, <laughs> hi. And he's also kind of pushing me into this direction. So it's good to hear this from another another person as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that. Um, like I said, it's part of how we communicate asynchronously, and I sort of use the esoteric phrase of across space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But it's true, and as a solo dev, you're communicating with yourself, mm-hmm. like future you. Yeah. So that's why I'll advocate for. That's why I will advocate for adding tests when you've had a particularly difficult issue yeah. pop up, for example. Totally. You know, future you will thank you for that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I think um, anybody who argues that their code is self-documenting. Um, or that they never write bugs. Mm. Don't say or, your code is self-documenting. Like, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not. Because there is a limit as to how much any one person can carry in their head at any time. Right. And the thing is, like, if you if you are, like, because, like, Swift and Objective-C before that allows you to write very verbose method names and class names and stuff like that. But if it's that verbose mm-hmm. that your code is really actually self-documenting, I mean, you're better off putting that yeah. those sentences that you're writing into documentation. Yeah, there's there's only one place, and it's actually tests where I would say to be that verbose, right? Mm-hmm. So, I would say make your tests test name pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, add some comments if you feel like it's becoming, you know, seven words in a in a trench coat connected together <laughs> as a name, right? Add some comments there, but largely I'll have, you know, for unit tests, I'll have test blah underscore positive condition or mm-hmm. test blah underscore negative condition. Um, and when they fail, the reason that I've got them like that is so that when they fail and you see that failure in the, the, in the log, you know what's failed without diving into it. Right. Right, you you can give yourself messages and all the rest of it as when the test fails and the assertion's not there, that's cool. But actually, just having the test name, you know, a test blah underscore positive flow or whatever, and it's failed, you're like, right, okay, I know what's what's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only place that I think code can be kind of self-documenting, and even then, I think add comments if it's particularly involved. You know, sounds good. Um, but yeah. If you're think if like the point I was coming back to though is that if you're making those statements like yeah I never write never write bugs or mm. my code is self documenting I think you're deluding yourself after a point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. Like if you um, yeah. if you ever hear someone um, telling 
telling themselves or each other that they're like they're not writing bugs they are wrong yeah. yes yeah that's just a fact of life and like i said i think if you think of testing as as um yeah a way of helping helping you against some of that entropy mm-hmm. but not as as a silver bullet that's going to sort of solve all of it of course then i think you're kind of in the right place as well okay fair all right i think um i think with that i'm I'm ready to go back to code <laughs> and really have a look at where else i can start using ui tests um yeah you mostly talked about um testing swift projects you know that I'm already also, I'm also writing writing a JavaScript app right now, but that has very much very similar com, um, um, ways of thinking about testing and representing tests and whatever. So I'm I think I'm very sure that some of that wisdom also already carries over also carries over to that yep. side of development. Um, so yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. Um, do you want to plug something? Do I want to plug something? Well, I mean, GoVJ2 is not out yet. It's not out yet, but the test flight is open. Oh, so I'll, yeah. I'll put a link to the test flight. Yeah. I think it might have been in the show notes for last, for last show already. Sneaky. It was, yeah, but I don't know if people are reading them, so <laughs> we'll find out. But right. yeah, I'll link it again. Do that. Very, very nice. Awesome. Where can people find you on Twitter? Um, you can find me at David Gary Wood on twitter that's gary with one r again i'll link in the show notes awesome how about you daniel i am break the system on twitter that's one word break the system and you already know that but i make telemetry deck at uh, telemetrydeck.com 